And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Follow the show on Instagram. That is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HEFPod. Uh, give a look to our new website. It's just coming out. It is www.hefpod.com. And, of course, whenever you want to reach out to us on our others, uh, if you want to reach out to us on another uh, uh, platform, uh, just drop us an email. That is heyintrackfreefort at gmail.com. So we had a full cow match. It was awesome. We'll get to that in just a second. But let's welcome the boys. Uh, going from east to west, or well, I guess I'm no, I'm not the furthest west for like the first time in it feels like forever. Uh, back, back east is the man on Long Island. He gave up Long Island, uh, he gave up Manhattan Island for Long Island. It is Matt in New York. Good to have you back. Well, this is that's so weird to say about Long Island because like <laughs> it's Queens, but you're technically right. I'm good, Brian. I'm good. It was uh, <laughs> it's a good day, it's a good day to be a Frankfurt fan, that's for sure. Exactly, and hey, think of it this way: like we got through the first round of the Pokal, everything's nice and breezy. We got a big match coming up at the weekend, and uh, I think there's this extra special meeting place for New York or just any East Coast-based Eintracht fan. Where is this? Jack Dempsey's over at uh, the Empire State Building. Ever heard of her before? Yeah, rather, had, I guess. <laughs> had, had a few. Then I saw how tall you were, and I was like, "Good lord!" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Armin Kranz, uh, amongst the cup, uh, is one of the Eintracht executives who will be in attendance watching the Eintracht take on Bayern on Friday. So join uh, the East Coast uh, Eels at Jack Dempsey's if you're able, or you can go to. Uh, instead of the Motor City, you can go uh, and chat of Chris in Detroit, who will be in the Windy City, one of his least favorite cities in the United States, to watch the Eintracht. Hey, Brian. Uh, happy to be <laughs> back. It feels like we just left off. For the record, I don't dislike Chicago. I dislike your sports teams and your horrible, horrible infrastructure. But, uh, yeah, I will be at Cleo's Bar, it's the home of Bayern Munich, Chicago, which is awful, but it's the best Bundesliga bar in the city. That's where I'm going to be. Uh, if you're an Eagle in Chicagoland, hit me up, because I'd love to know somewhere else where the Eagles go. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, going further west than even I in Kansas City, it's onto the Great Plains. Up, up, up we go to Nebraska. Well, of course, it's not really that far north from me, but it feels like it because once you get past Omaha, there really ain't all too much to Nebraska. If anyone who is listening is from Nebraska and feels insulted, please throw your insults my way. Uh, I love the banter. Trust me on that one because I uh, have to throw it to Brian in New York. How goes it? How are we going? How are we doing, guys? Just uh, enjoying a, a, a blistering hot day here in Nebraska, which I, I moved here to get rid of. But, uh, you know, life has a funny way of playing tricks on you. And today we were around 100 degrees here in York after a nice week last week. 
So things wow. are going good, getting settled in and, and uh, trying to figure out the Nebraska way of life here. I hear that. But, hey, you're going to be coming south a bit. You're going to be visiting me in Kansas City. We're going to be uh, – Nathan uh, will be coming in from St. Louis along with a couple other Eagles from there. So, come on, join us. Uh, Kansas City Beer Company is where we're going to be meeting in the Midwest. And, uh, yeah, we got you covered. Kansas City, Chicago, New York. Um, still waiting for confirmation on our fellow Eagles out in the West Coast and down south. Haven't really heard anything uh, yet uh, concrete from our Texas Eagles. But, hey, if you want to do one thing, you can always uh, party crash where the Byron fans are and out sing them all and show them what real fandom is. You can always do that because, you know, the untracked, we make noise wherever we go. Sometimes, though, we do go up against a team that does make a shed load of noise, and we visited that in this First round of the Tampa Bay Polkow, much less eventful than last time when we had a 2-2 draw, had to, had to go through on penalties, and uh, yeah, we faced off against Magdeburg. Their fans were uh, absolutely up for it. Their fans set off a lot of pyrotechnics, which probably will get them in trouble. Had the, I think the game paused a little bit because of that, but the team came out and smashed them. 4 nothing is the final score. Two goals per half. It uh, looks like the island's going to have some more members. Or is it? Or are we back to is, the Kamada Isthmus? Yeah, we look good. Yeah. For me, I think uh, a sign of how things were to go for the entire day wasn't actually the first goal scored by Daichi Kamada. I honestly think that it was. And you know what? Hey. PKs will happen. Tuta uh, brought down his man in the box. Obvious penalty. And then KT, uh, KT just stepped up. Now, it wasn't the hardest penalty to save, I will point out. Uh, uh, he faced a lot more, di- lot more difficult uh, difficult uh, penalties in the uh, penalty shootout against Rangers. Just saying. But, you know, got the PK save. The team at that point just looked ready to absolutely tear those guys apart. And honestly, when uh, it came all down to it, we could have blitzed these guys for a heck of a lot more. But it looked like we were barely out of second gear the entire match. Yeah, you know, I thought um, we saw the consistency of the lineup in our favor today. Uh, the only real change, besides a little formational change, with uh, Daichi Kamada dropping back a little bit, uh, having Goza top left. Um, other than that, bodies were the same. Uh, we missed Hinti in the back a little bit, but I thought Torrey did a good job in the center, and Tuta was good. Uh, kind of got caught up, got caught with that penalty, um, but you know that was the worst penalty kick I've seen since Aaron Ramsey. So... Uh, Kevin Trapp did his thing, and I think after that, the momentum really shifted in our favor, and we turned the gears up a little bit tighter, and um, it was lights out from that point. Yeah, I mean, listen, the first five minutes were as diva-ish as it could have gone for us. I mean, starting off with Kamada, first of all, scoring a goal, great great cross by Kostic, a little bit lucky on the deflection, but I mean... Great place by Kamada, so that worked out really well. 
Tuta in the in the center back, like the central center back position, I actually kind of like. It's going to suck for a little bit. We're going to have some growing pains. He's going to do a lot of mistakes. I'm, but I'm glad that he did these mistakes, you know, early in the season right now because obviously he's not going to do the same thing when it comes to Bayern or when we play in the Champions League and everything like that. You know, this is the this is right now the time to make all those mistakes. I'm glad that Tuta made that mistake today because at the same time, you know, he had faith in Kevin Trapp, who was the best, still the best keeper in the world, who was able to save a shitty penalty. At the end of the day, he still saved it and then saved off the the uh, follow up shot with you know a hand on the ball because he hit the crossbar afterwards. So he deserved he he had he had a great game, but I mean that first five minutes was just absolutely nuts. I mean it was just as devious as it could have gone, you know. Um, but you know, the second, the, the second goal was pretty nice too from, um, Lindstrom. I mean, Mario got to play his socks off. He was man of the match. You know, I take everything back. I said about, you know, the signing of him in the last podcast, I didn't think he was going to have that much of an impact. I mean, he looks like a young, young kid again, you know, he looked like he really wanted to play soccer today. Granted. Yeah. We, today we played Magdeburg. Let's not take away from, you know, our enemy here, but the most predominant time, especially in the last couple, you know, two years or so, I've been more worried about, um, you know, us as a team compared to who we played against. And, you know, that, the first half, we thrived today. I mean, Gutsa was amazing. I mean, that's kind of what how Lindstrom was able to score that rocket of a shot. Um, my only complaint is Knauf. He, he He's still undecisive when he wants to shoot the damn ball. He he had at least two or three opportunities in the first half where he could have at least taken a shot on the first touch, but he keeps cutting in the box, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. He had the bug that Jesper Lindstrom had at the beginning of last season, so hopefully that bug gets out of him quickly before you know we get to Bayern. What are your thoughts, Brian? Um, I mean it was exciting. I from from the get go, we were just obviously better than Magdeburg, but what what impressed me wasn't just that we were better, it was how much faster we played. You know, when when they got the ball, we were immediately on them, and when we got the ball, we were just blowing past them, and it was just beautiful to watch. If we can just keep up that energy for the, for the rest of the year, we're going to be just fine. Well, hey, I mean, I look at it from this standpoint that – Walsh, a second division side, that team's fans were egging them on to go at it, and we just kind of were ready to counterattack them whenever uh, the opportunity, you know, played out. I liked specifically how uh, Goza and Lindstrom kind of uh, interacted. I was kind of wondering how exactly that would kind of play out, but I was kind of pleasantly surprised with uh, some of the interact interlocking play that they had, obviously Knauf and uh, Kostic, you know, out on the right and the left, respectively. But I thought it was, a, it was an interesting look. And what was even better was, you know, obviously when the second half was uh, the third goal, you know, that was scored, a uh, second one for Kamada. When we got the third, I mean, it was, you know, time to change the players up. And the kind of players we're bringing off the bench, I mean, this is just the difference uh, between, you know, 12 months ago and now. You had Canal being replaced by Chandler, kind of technically always been there. Lucas Alario from Ore, uh, Yake from Goza, uh, Kodomani, 
uh, for Lindstrom. I mean, I was feeling fair. Looking, yeah, he looked good, strong as a bull. He had a couple. He had a couple of chances, like to even had a uh, get his own goal. Like if that if that ball would have you know been a couple inches uh, further to the left, he would have you know probably nicked it right off the goal because he had already beaten the keeper on that on that header. Just was off target. Um, this team. This is why we spent the money uh, on some of the players now. Um, I did kind of find it interesting that who was left off the uh, off the bench because uh, uh, on the bench that was unused, uh, Ramage, uh, Aledu, Rode, Lenz. Take a wild guess at who was missing and uh, just kind of scratch your head and wonder uh, where that big money man is. But uh, to go back to the the match at hand. It, to me, was a complete performance from the team. Did we put ourselves through some difficulties? Yes. And yet, at the end of the day, like, we still came out looking stronger than, like, what we were anticipating headed into this match uh, uh, to start off the Bundesliga season. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about depth in the preseason, and I kept harping on it in the live chat today. Um, and it wasn't just the guys that were on the bench. Uh, if you look at the contributors today, Bore didn't do much. Um, Kostic was there, but wasn't driving all of our goal-scoring opportunities. If I told you that those two guys were relatively uninvolved, and yet we were going to score four goals, you would not believe me. And that is what we have created here by having a strong right side now, where not everything has to run through Kostic. And Bore doesn't have to do it all himself. What we saw today was a very mature uh, Jesper Lindstrom, who, instead of sailing a ball 30 yards over the goal, uh, like Gasinovich, because he rushed it, he took his time, got a touch, settled the ball, and placed it over the goalie's head. That was outstanding growth and development. And I can't wait to see what the depth guys bring just by giving 30 minutes of rest to the starters, uh, if we can have that, you know, not every week, obviously, but frequently, uh, we're going to make some noise. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was just really fun to watch. You know, <laughs> it just seemed like everything was clicking. Like all the moves that were coming in were perfectly coming. Like you were, were very positive. I mean, the only good only major change we made was putting Kamada in the sixth spot essentially where so or where where Jakic would be playing or so or anyone like that so we're gonna have a great rotation with that because he proved to be so effective on that see he's a great runner a great person that can kind of delay the run on there so I'm happy that change was made because you know guts up guts on the wing kind of alongside with Bore and Lindstrom is you know that kind of trifecta kind of works well right now I mean, he has Kostic on his left side as well. We can play, he played a lot with today. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure he contributed on Kostic's assist as well, um, let alone on, you know, Lindstrom's assist on the second one towards Canal for, you know, setting at least that ball to give Lindstrom the opportunity to take that rocket. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, everything was great. I mean, I think the, um, the Kolo Mulani, uh Alario, you know, all these kind of 
depth sort of bench players for us are, you know, going to be crucial for us, especially in the Champions League times. And, you know, as we play, you know, an incredible amount of games because our schedule is going to be heavy again. You know, this is back-to-back seasons where we've, uh, we're, we're having, you know, this heavy sort of schedule being in the DFP, Bundesliga and Champions League. So, it's it's good to see Elario get getting the goal. You know, add some confidence to him. You know, um, Tuta still looked super strong for me in the second half. You know, he had that one little run where you know it kind of ended up in a goal, uh, in a goal kick. But he was great. Um, and I mean, Glasner and Crochet are doing absolutely amazing things right now. I mean, this this was a great first game to you know head into the Bundesliga season. This was a great like first indication of what the team could look like. And, you know, I think what we strengthened in our team is our depth. And that is probably one of the places that we were lacking at some areas. You know, um, I'm interested to see how the Chancellor window is going to, you know, turn out for us once uh, September hits. But, um, or sorry, once October hits. But, yeah, boys, it's, um, it's definitely looking upwards here for us. Yeah, think about... Think about our Pokal no. game last year, <laughs> and, mm. and we're and think about like just think about the first month last year where we couldn't get a win. We it was all really the first two months of last year, and then for us to come out just firing on all cylinders, guns blazing today, and and no matter who we threw out there, you know we've talked about the depth, but. We didn't lose any quality when we brought in our, our bench guys at all. You know, like Kalamane and, and Alario were just killing Magdeburg off the bench. And, you know, like we a- like we said, like balancing out that right side to where Kostic doesn't have to do everything himself. And then the like the Lindstrom goal that no he way. scored like last year I don't I don't know that he scores that. You know, last year he was pulling a lot of Gasinovich's where he was blasting it 40 feet over the goal. But he took a nice touch and just placed it perfectly in the far side and and that shows like a maturity in a player and and coming together. Like it's just nice to see this this squad where they are right I, now and it's really exciting to think about where we can go this year. Look, I also also want to put into perspective that we play Magdeburg here. You know, like we we're, we're hitting right into two giants in the next back to back games. We're playing Bayern and Real Madrid. Now, uh, uh, can we get at least one win out of both of those games? Sure, definitely doable. But you know, I def I definitely don't want to put lose too much perspective on who we played here against. We just played a third league team who just got promoted to the second league, and you know they had their moments, they had their confidence in the first you know first couple. First twenty minutes, I would say in the first half, but you know they had scored that penalty. Different game. Different game. Different game. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. But you know they were still coming at us at certain times. You know there were some easy moments that they we were letting them get to those kind of spots. So um, you know it's it what's it's it's a huge transition playing against a third league team against a Bayern team, but then again we're also hitting a Bayern where, you know, they are looking for, you know, their front their number nine because I don't know if Gnarby can fill that those shoes, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I was just gonna say one more thing about that too. I I recognize it's a newly promoted, still lower division team. Um but that's been a struggle for us in recent years. 
whether it's Magdeburg or um, Mannheim, it, it, we either go to a cup final or close to it, or we bounce in the first round to a lower division team. It's just constantly a struggle for us. Even when we win them, it's under difficult uh, circumstances. So I think looking at the progression through the preseason where we weren't scoring a ton of goals, but the passing was crisp. Guys look to be communicating a lot better than they have in the past. Um, looking at quick stats from today, our passing accuracy was over 80%, which, I mean, we were lucky to crack 70 uh, last season. So we're playing in the form right now that, it, like Brian said, it took us two months to find last year. So I'm not saying we're going out and we're going to go on some crazy streak to open the season. But I think people recognize with the chaos and the schedule this year, um, that might have played a little bit of the factor into how they built this team, knowing that consistency early was going to be an important factor and not selling off any pieces, maybe taking that financial hit, but saying if we're going to be competing, we have to be ready from day one. And we were today. It did. And, uh, hey, yeah, we're in the second round, and uh, the draw will occur in, uh, let's see, uh, it's going to be taking place in September, beginning of September. So, got plenty of time before we have to look at the Pokal again. So, let's kind I just want to say the jerseys were so <laughs> sexy. Oh, oh yes. my God. Like, like the... the the promotional things they were doing on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff did not look did not make justice of what it looked like on the TV today because fuck we looked good damn we looked sexy <laughs> that was fire should that be our shirt against Real Madrid yes oh my god I agree. yeah if they ride go all white it, it until it doesn't white. work anymore because obviously we can't wear white during that because. You know, they'll let Real Madrid be the home team, and Real Madrid always plays in white, so. I like our blacks, too, but the reds would be, oh, that red versus white would look so good. I assume we're wearing black against Bayern. We should be wearing black against Bayern. So I'm curious to see that one, but I think the red uh, would look really good as a contrast against the white of Real Madrid. Yep. Not just oh, that, great. but like now, now it's got precedent. So it's like our good luck uh, in the Pokal shirt. So why not? Let's like don't you, you don't like hang your lucky shirt up and not wear it again. Like bring it back out against Real Madrid. Personally, I look good in red, so I want to keep bringing out the red jersey. But you know, whatever the whatever the boys <laughs> want, that's what matters, right? Exactly. Exactly. They look good in all of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so we kind of talked about all sorts of parts of the pitch, and uh, Matt and I kind of dissected a lot of the new uh, hires that had the new signs that Eintracht has brought in. But from front to back, let's have a let's have a listen to what you, Chris, and uh, you, Brian, have to say. What do you guys think of uh, the reinforcements that have finally come into defense? Go ahead, Brian. Um. Well, I'm like I'm I'm really. Excited about I and I can't say this guy's name. Uh, Smolchich? No, the the new center back that we got from Salzburg. Um, Oj- oh, Ogwene. Ogwene, yeah. 
Mr. Hurt. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, I know he's hurt right now, but like watching him play and watching the film on him, he looks a lot like Evan and Dicka, just right-footed. Um, he's super athletic. He's really fast. He gobbles up balls that are loose. You know, he's not scared to put his body on people and take the ball from them. And I think he's going to be a, a really good depth piece for us. Um I like Smolchich too. I see him kind of, a, you know, he's left-footed kind of like, uh, well, like Indica was and like Martin Henneriker was, and he's kind of a, a, a player that reminds me of Henneriker a little bit. And just to have like Indica, Tuta, Torre, Oguene, and Smolchich together, and then you can throw Hasebi in there too. Like we've got six pretty solid center backs back there that we can rotate through. Yeah. There was a point uh, when David Abraham retired and we were all concerned about Tuta's ability to fill that role. And it, it took him a few few months to really get the swing of it, but he's been outstanding back there. And now we're going to ask more of him after Hinty left and there's a big gap to fill there. Um, I'm a little worried about you know the new guys coming in. I, I like what I've seen in the video, but... The Bundesliga is a different ballgame. It's faster, it's bigger, it's more physical. I think there will be some growing pains there, but Tuta, I think, is yep. more than up for it. And the familiarity with Indica and Torre, they've all been there a few years now. Um, there's some serious chemistry on that back line. Some question marks for sure, but I think there's depth um, in the formation too. Guys that are solid defensively, like Rota and So are guys that can sit back a little bit when necessary, make a back three, a back four, or a back five if we're under pressure. I mean, there's a lot of guys familiar with the system and a lot of chemistry that's already there. We don't have to rush new bodies into an uncomfortable situation right now. I'll, I'll say this, too, like not necessarily about the new guys, but I think with – Indica, Tuta, and Torre, we actually have a chance to be better defensively than we were last year because they're so fast and they're so athletic and they cover so much ground. You know, we're, we're not as, as stout. We're not as big as we are with Hinterager, but we're f way more athletic than, than with them. And we can press a little higher. We don't have to worry about getting beat deep as much. And... You know, Torre and Tuta are, are phenomenal passers on top of everything else. And, and Indica is just a beast. So I, I think we actually, it could be a blessing in disguise. Because, but I think with those three back there, we actually have a chance to be a better defense than we've, than we've been in a long time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with both you guys. I think it's going to take some growing pains for Tuta to get used to being that center defensive guy. I mean, he did fairly well against Rangers, you know. He, I mean... Granted, with that one little slip-up, you know, not counting that, I think he did a pretty good job. But obviously that slip-up eliminates most of his game. But, I mean, I, I trust in Tuta, you know. And then, you know, we have Buta back there as well eventually. We're going to have Torre there. We're having Dika. We have Unguene, uh, Smolchich. We have depth, boys. We, we have the depth that we finally been looking for, you know, uh, all of last season. You know, we came out with the – championship last season without that real depth you know 
And who knows what this season's going to come up for us. And today was, today was an absolute perfect indication of what we can do. Yes, we played Magdeburg, but most of these games, and, you know, you said it uh, earlier, Brian G., um, you know, with all these first DFB games, you typically struggle. But today we flipped the switch. And um, it's only going to go up. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping it only keeps on going up. And we got to give Oliver Glass- Glassner his due as well. Uh, he pushed to keep this lineup together. There were a lot of people uh, that wanted to sell because once you sell, you can bring in new players. There's no threat of them leaving. Oliver Glassner pushed to re-sign Tuta. He pushed to keep Kostic and Indica. Um, it, he turned away suitors for all of our most important players. And that is something that cannot be overlooked. He knew what he had with this team, with the chemistry he could build. And I give him a lot of credit for sticking to his guns on that. We don't know. You know, we could get destroyed in these next two matches, and all of our optimism today is is thrown out the window. But so far, there's no reason not to trust where we're headed right now. Well, then... Yeah, uh, I want to sound like 76ers fans here. Trust the process. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ almighty. Uh, the basketball references and never get old. Um, so, going from defense a little further afield, let's check out the midfield. Some of the uh, Eintracht players that have been brought in to the midfield. Uh, we're still wondering if, at this point, I really think that we'll find out if Kostic laser goes within the next 48 hours of this podcast recording on the first of. August, obviously, since we're talking about the Pokal match. Um, so, technically speaking, uh, Hauge uh, was signed on a permanency. I'm starting to scratch my head more and more about this one. Um, it's a little worrisome for me that uh, we can. It, it just, I, I think we just, everything was put in place for Hauge, and then, like, there's obligation to buy those put in there. And we could put it off, and we could just pay it uh, pay it later on down the line, and then cost it stayed. And then we're like, uh, well, guess we got an extra guy, and we didn't really he didn't really get used all too much. And now he seems like unless we put, find some way to utilize him, he I feel that he could be a weight on the team. Uh, through the 12 million euros in cash that we paid for him and his salary, that he could be a uh, thorn in the team side in terms of kind of weighing us down in terms of being a little bit bloated, perhaps. But, you know, we'll see. Mario Goza to me, uh, signing for 4 million euros now. Okay, just one of one Pokal match and a couple of uh, friendlies. That is an entirely different type of business that I totally approve and uh ali do you uh, ali do we'll see what kind of what kind of player he becomes but um thoughts on the additions to the midfield i'll let you go first brian um well the last year i thought the midfield was probably our our strongest position um you know with kamada and Saul and yakich back there and I, I we made we made it even better um, with Goza like permanent for three millions. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, you know the 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 thing that excites me most about the Goza signing is like we didn't really need him, 
but, but like he he can come in and he doesn't have to be a superstar he doesn't have to do too much he just has to do his job and it's going to make everybody's job easier having him back there with the vision he has and just the way he works and runs around and scrambles i loved the look today of kamada dropping deeper into that like kind of holding midfielder area and and making those deep lying passes um I, I thought it was great and pushed Goza up a little bit. I'm super excited about him. I like the Aladu kid. <clears throat> um, I think he's got a chance to be kind of a, a Knauf type player, uh, but I also think he's got a long way to go in order to get there. Um, you know, but it, yeah, Colomani looked good. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I just. Uh, our, our midfield was already a strength for us, and, and we managed to make it better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the Hauga thing, I mean, he's not worth $12 million. I don't know if he's worth close to $8 million. I mean, I think he's more of like a $5, 6000000 million type of person. I mean, honestly, if I if you were to tell me we got Gutsu for $12 million, we got Hauga for $4 million, I would be sitting here saying, okay, cool. I'm for it. Why not? That's uh, completely understand why we pay for him 12 million because he's a German hero. He got us a World Cup. So having that type of player, that type of like um, status on Frankfurt team has never really happened with us before. So why not? Um, at least in the recent memory. Um, so, I mean, it, I think with um, Ali Du, I mean, or yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with him, you know, obviously he came from Frankfurt and that's, or sorry, from Hamburg. Um, and that's as much as I know about that. Um, but I mean, Gutsa is going to be probably the more exciting um, new prospect that we have. But I think Kamada sitting in that, uh, that sixth spot next to So is, you know, probably twice as more exciting. But also again, you know, we, we know how much Kamada hates playing in the Bundesliga and loves playing in the Pokal and, you know, Europa League and now Champions League. Hopefully he'll be good at it. So we'll see how that transitions. But he looked really good kind of sitting back more and um, kind of dictating the play a little bit more with Lindstrom and Gutze, you know. So it's – I mean, I'm going to keep referring into this and maybe this should just be the, the title of the episode, but the depth that we have is just awesome. And I, this is probably – this is – the strongest Frankfurt team that we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the deep end. Uh, come on, come <laughs> off. Because that midfield is, they're not, it's not just that we're deep there positionally. We're experienced there. I mean, of, you know, the regular guys, um, Knauf is, you know, 20. That's young, but Gota is loaded with experience. Jabril So has grown up right in front of our eyes. Kamada came to us, feels like he's been here forever as a kid. Now he's, you know, mid-20s. And I think there's not as much pressure now for him to push. Yes, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't care how bad your hair is. Look at Bore's hair. He looks horrible with that new hair. But, you know. It's, it was hideous. Whatever. Boy. <laughs> but I was, ugh. I mean, I think the fact that we have that experience, um, with these guys that are well seasoned, but not old or over the hill, so to say, and they understand how they can be flexible in their position. Brian, you nailed it uh, with Daichi sliding back a little bit. Uh, 
he doesn't have to be that magical, messy with his feet kind of guy. He can just sit back there and poach shots on goal like he did today. And Goats has got the experience to be calm and feed him. And I don't know. I like everything I saw in our midfield today. And the fact that Philip Kostic was not responsible to carry the weight of everything and we still put up four goals says it all. Well, that kind of does say it all right there. Uh, let's go into the attack, shall we? All right, so I kind of mentioned Ali Doe, and uh, who, I mean, he is a real kind of attacking threat, so you kind of midfield attack. Really, to me, I know some people who produce this podcast will say, Ali Ackman, what the hell are we doing? I, I think this is... When you make signings uh, ahead of a, uh, like, management change where, you know, like, not just a coach, sporting director, uh, and a CEO, and, like, yeah, the director of sport all change all at the same time, some guys who are brought in by previous administrations will get lost. I fear that might be what the guy's uh, going to be experiencing. He still has yet to find a club in Turkey to sign on for. I really hope that he does find one to allow himself to get plenty of playing time because he did get quite a lot of matches in the Eredivisie with the Namagan, not exactly a high-end finishing sort of team within the Eredivisie, but getting him playing time, meaningful minutes in a league that he's able to obviously thrive in and playing in the Turkish Super League would be preferable. Um, I think everyone is just drooling over Randall Kodulmani. Just added on top, Lucas Alario as well. I mean, he didn't really have to do much to get to get his goal, but Kodulmani just kind of stopping the ball right on the line and just kind of be like, hi, hi, Lucas. There you go. Whack. Four nothing. Game over. But, oh, Kudalmani and Lucas Alario, golly, for 6 million euros in a free transfer. Let's not forget. We're sitting pretty. In terms of attacking, in terms of uh, additional players in the attack, obviously we have uh, two that are out on loan right now at Groyta Firth and St. Pauli. And, uh, yeah, both of those guys are actually playing in uh, their respective uh, uh, loanee location. So here's hoping that Ackman can get it as well. Brian, I was just going to mention that that Lucas Alario is a guy with Leverkusen. He averaged one goal every three three matches played. This is a guy who's known to find the net pretty regularly. And to have that experience, a guy who came from a table rival in the league uh, over the last five years, that is something that will benefit us more than anything. Once again, it's not all on the shoulders of Bore to put the ball in the goal. Um, we questioned last year how we were gonna gonna find scoring after uh, he who we won't speak of left for the club we don't speak of, and we struggled with that for a while. <laughs> but right now, all those questions are off the table because we're finding goals from everywhere. But we have depth across the board. Yeah, I mean. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough because we're probably gonna have like three or four goal like top goal scores in our in our team because I can see 
you know, I can see Bore, Kolomani, Kostic, and Lindstrom, and maybe even Gutsu, maybe even Kamada all getting like 10 goals. We're way too excited. It's going to be so well spread out. (laughs) We are are way over our heads right now. It's it's unbelievable. I cannot wait till we play both Bayern and Real Madrid. We sit here and be like, yep, we're going to get relegated. We're, We're done. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely exciting. I mean, it's just, it just seemed like everything clicked. It just seemed like everyone just kind of wanted it more, you know, like when I was saying earlier with Jutsa, you know, like I thought this was kind of more retirement tour for him, but like he wanted it today. Like he wanted, wanted to be part of every single play. Like he more than deservedly, uh, got the man of the match, um, or, you know, received the man of the match uh, award today. So like. He was fun to watch. Like I was, I was seeing Kamada and Indika getting into it today because you know obviously Kamada Sid is playing with Indika a lot more because Kamada's getting cl- is playing closer with him and like you know they seem to really want it. Like it just seemed like the effort that they put in today, especially in, a, in against a game or against a team like Magdeburg, like something's something's going crazy here. Like it's not like like every game is just a game. Like every game is the game, and I hope that like mentality kind of keeps going off throughout the whole season. Where we can be successful, you know. Hopefully, when we have those kind of weird, you know, weird stretches of games, we just tie one-one um, for you know eight straight games. You know, then I, I'm confident that you know we're not going to have that sort of weird weirdness where we can kind of eliminate that eight stretch of tying games to like you know three stretch of t- uh, three games of uh, tying games, and we can come come out of it. I mean, I think I was just more impressed on the mentality and how we came out to play today um, because. The mentality and the the willingness to just win every ball and make sure everything is perfect was just astounding to see. You know, I I've never seen a Frankfurt like this before. And he brings uh, with himself entering the pitch. He brings a lot of atten- a lot of attention gets brought onto him, which can uh, therein uh, have benefits in the fact that if uh, more eyes than just you know one set of eyes are watching him, then that means that someone else can possibly streak away and be able to make something happen in uh, what should be a wonderful season for the Eintracht. Indeed, for some stupid freaking reason, uh, there's one bit from the TV show Ted Lasso keeps on popping into my head when they utilize one of the players, Jamie Tart, as the dummy only uh, I'm pretty sure that Mario Gutza is not a is not a punk bitch like uh, Jamie Tart from that TV show. And uh, don't worry, anyone who has not seen uh, Ted Lasso, I haven't ruined anything for you. Uh, it's still uh, a good it's watch. A spoiler alert! Believe, guys. Spoiler alert. I've seen it though. I've seen it, but I'm saying <laughs> for the listeners. <laughs> I believe in miracles, and I believe it's time for hashtag what are we drinking? So, I'm going to have everyone uh, throw out what they are drinking in the same manner that I introduced them onto the podcast. So, Matt, you are up next. What are you drinking, or what have you been drinking? Um, I'm taking a break from drinking today because I went to the Yankee game on Friday and had just a couple of few too many without any dinner in me. So Rookie that mistake. was a little tough, but I was drinking. About Sounds like a long Saturday. train ride. Ah, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. Um, and then, you know, I, well, I was drinking there a lot of founders IPAs, so that didn't really help either. So I've been on that kind of a kick recently. Um, so yeah, I guess I've been drinking Founders IPAs recently. Today I'm just sticking to good old agua. 
Um, yeah, so. Sounders IPAs, if you find a draft, go get one. All right, so uh, I'm drinking right, Chris. tonight, actually, drinking with a cause. Um, both uh, two great areas. <laughs> um, oh, double fisting, so dude. Louis nice. got rocked by some horrible <laughs> weather. Uh, producer Nathan's been dealing with that in his area. And, of course, Kentucky is uh, dealing with a horrible disaster related to the same flooding strain. So I'm drinking in honor of both of them tonight. I've got some uh, a shot of Larceny whiskey from Bardstown, Kentucky. Good stuff. Um, and then from Nathan himself, uh, from Four Hands Brewing in St. Louis, I got a citywide Pilsen. Uh, delicious stuff. I will say, if you can afford a sixteen dollar four pack of beer at your craft beer store, you can give sixteen dollars to the Red Cross. So consider that. Give them a little beer money. They need it right now. There you go. There you go. Uh, Brian, what do you got in Nebraska? Well, um, <clears throat> the pickings are kind of slim here in York, Nebraska, as far as uh, selection. They have a, <laughs> you know, our, that does our, not surprise me. Our, our best store of beer selection would be Walmart. And, uh, <laughs> but I did happen to find some Shinerbach when I was there. So I'm having a, you know, I'm having a Shinerbach. They had some, I'm sure they are lovely Nebraska micro brews or some kind of local Nebraska beer, but <laughs> I'm not that bought in yet that I'm I'm going to give up Shinerbach to try a Nebraska beer. So I'm looking at uh, up right so now. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking there. with Old Faithful today. Like yeah. Lincoln is your big town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh. Yeah, Lincoln, and then there's like uh, 50 miles of cornfields, and then, and I'm not even kidding, it's literally 50 miles of corn, and then there's York, <laughs> and then there's 50 more miles of corn, and then there's Grand Island, so. And then there's Kearney, and then there's Kearney, and then after that, all you got are these two rocks uh, <laughs> called uh, Scott's Bluff and... Uh, uh, What's the other one? Uh, Chimney Rock. There we go. And yeah. and that's about it. All you got is, uh, and yeah, that Scott's Bluff is literally at Scott's Bluff, Nebraska, which is not as small as you might think, but it is pretty stinking small when you compare it to, say, Detroit or Kansas City or any uh, other slightly declining uh, metropolitan areas in size. We're not throwing New York City in there because – shoot the neighborhood that freaking uh, Matt lives in would be bigger than anything that uh, <laughs> it's probably bigger than the whole state of Nebraska than, yeah I know I could uh, cover that yeah exactly exactly uh, yeah so my turn for hashtag what are we drinking whilst uh, drinking water right now uh, I was at the local beer hall can't see beer company uh, enjoying the pills I have not had that for a minute uh, no thrills for the pill uh, I'm not usually uh, the biggest pilsner guy I try to keep it just I try to keep it light and you know kind of rotation like but uh, yeah the KC beer Pilsner is uh, not one to shirk 
at. And uh, yeah, I believe that they're also coming out with a light beer version of the Pilsner. So one for people to pay attention to, though I have not sampled it myself. So that's going to wrap it up for hashtag what are we drinking? Uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with Bundesliga predictions, the prediction for the match of the weekend, and predictions for the season. So stay with. And we're back, segment two of Hey Hunter Frankfurt. It's now time to look at the prediction, uh, uh, kind of predictions that we have for the season. But let's look at the league itself. Um, not to ruin where we think that Eintracht will fall in the season, but I do believe that the 2022-23 seasons is, I will throw myself out there, stretch my neck out there. It will be won by Bayern, winning their 10th in a row. And, uh, yeah, I think that uh, Eintracht will finish in fifth, just outside of the Champions League. But, hey, you know what? Still in the money-making Europa League group phase. I think that the Champions League is going to be taken up by the likes of Leipzig, Leverkusen, and Dortmund. I think it's, it's kind of a crowded room to try and get into the Champions League. Once you get beyond that, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of aired, uh, arid wasteland of a situation where anyone from Mönchengladbach to Freiburg to Stuttgart to Wolfsburg could be uh, picking up the uh, taking up the chase behind Eintracht, uh, trying to chase down those two uh, places that uh, those two uh, places in the Bundesliga that will go out to Europa League because I think that someone from the top top eight will win the uh Dave Pokal and finishing the conference league, which will either go to sixth or seventh. And uh, my teams to watch for the drop are Schalke, Werder Bremen, and Augsburg. I think that uh, actually, nope, strike that. Schalke, Hertha Berlin, and Augsburg. Until I am proven that uh, uh, Hertha Berlin's really changed things. They lost to uh, Eintracht Braunschweig again in the DP Pokal and looked kind of bad doing it. And uh, that's a team that's got nothing going for them, minus the fact that they barely survived. And they're going to be embarrassed in the uh, this weekend's uh, Berlin Derby. And I feel it's going to be a very, very long season for them. Schalke, I just think, is uh, you know their temporary return. It, their return to the Bundesliga is temporary, and I think that Augsburg just eventually is going to run out of uh, uh, that. That cat is running out of lives, and uh, its exit is looming. So that's my prediction for the Bundesliga. I'll let um, Chris go next. All right, so we're not too off, too far off on the top end of things. Um, today changed things for me a little bit as I thought we might have a slower start to the season. Uh, not that a cup win against a promoted team changes a lot, but I was on the fence with RB Leipzig. Uh, sorry, Sugar Drink FC. I wasn't sure about where to place them. Uh, I keep thinking they're going to have a down year and they keep finding a way to put points up. Um, but I swapped 
us from five to four. I think we're only going to get stronger. If, you know, we needed a warm up to the season, we're already in pretty good form right now. And I think we're going to steal some early points. I'll get to more of that later. (laughs) But I've got uh, Bayern winning. Uh, They've won 10 in a row. And until somebody dethrones them, not going to bet against them. Dortmund, Leverkusen, I think, will be solidly third. I think that fourth spot is up for grabs, but Leverkusen is solid third um, with Frankfurt fourth. I'm interested to watch Union Berlin. I think they have an opportunity to sneak up, but I don't think they're going to catch people off guard like they did last year. I think people still thought they were relatively new and didn't take them as seriously as maybe they should have. So I got them slotted six. I can see them being higher. But I think they have the potential. I got a question for this. Go ahead. Um, so you're thinking that they're going to finish six whilst they're in the Europa League group phase, which will be way more of a trickier test than what they had in the Europa Conference League. But it's not necessarily that, it, well, it's going to be more of a test. I'm looking at the league standards. And if anything else, that gives them an opportunity to play meaningful games early and kind of figure out who they are, take something more seriously. I just don't believe that teams in the Bundesliga, one of the top five leagues in Europe, are going to take that conference league seriously. Uh, I I don't know. I just don't see it. Now, maybe an Union who's recently promoted, never been there, that's one thing. Um, but you can't tell me if we see – an Eintracht Frankfurt or, I don't know, a, a regular European team, a Leverkusen, if you see them in the conference league, I don't see them taking it that seriously. So that, it doesn't mean a lot to me. I think more in the Europa League qualifiers mean a lot more to Union Berlin. But, uh, it, well, I mean, I'd like to think it's, that it's, Cologne it, it, uh, gives a damn about it. And, uh, you know, Union Berlin has long time ago when they finished uh, as runners-up in the, what was it, 2000-2001 Dave Pokal Final, and they got the Europa Cup. Uh, so I, I would think that they would give a little bit more uh, this go-round of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I disagree with you, Chris. I think the, I think the Conference League, I, it's, I know it's new, everything like that, but I think uh, – we're, we're saying this, uh, that the conference league sucks because we just won Europa. And we've had taste of Europa before, where Cohn has never had any taste of any international, you know, competition. And, you know, this kind of gives it an opportunity to play like the, you know, Leicester City or the Roma or the Feyenoord. Well, that's the bullshit part of the conference league for me, is that they designed this competition for the smaller clubs in the smaller countries to have that taste of Europe. And yet you have Leicester versus Roma in the final because they have this drop-down thing from Champions League, Europa League, Europa League down to Conference League. If you're going to design a competition for, say, one team from a larger league and then the, you know the Czech Republics and the other ones thrown in there, the Danish teams in there, fine. But don't set it up so you have Leicester and Roma whose budgets are the size of, you know, the final eight teams combined um, playing each other in the final. To me, that just, it's a diluted Europa League final. At that you could point. even say that about and the, the semifinals. Like the way the drop-down affected it. it. And you could say the exact same thing about the Europa League, too. I really hate the drop-down. You, you have teams falling out of the Champions League 
coming down to it, like like Barcelona is a perfect example. How much did they give a shit dropping down to the Europa League competition? They could not have cared, and it showed on the pitch against us. And I would feel like if you have a an we're unique when it comes to Europe, but if Eintracht Frankfurt fell from Europa League last year into the Conference League, it just wouldn't have felt the same to me if we won it. So I guess that's my where I'm coming from. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm more on the silverware side of things. So. <laughs> Alright, this, anyway, um, this is presented a good conversation piece. I think you're yeah. just about to start talking about your relegation teams. Yeah, the bottom of the table, I think Schalke is going to just find a way to survive. Um, they've been through hell the last few years as an organization, but there's a lot of bad teams at the bottom right now. Is Freddy Bobic still employed in Berlin? How is yeah. he not on the hottest seat in Germany right now? Um, <laughs> but I think Balkum <laughs> couldn't... They escaped somehow last year. They're not a good team. They cannot score goals. They didn't add anything. They're going to finish last, um, maybe worse than, than Greutherford did last year. And then Hertha is going to go down. They can't save themselves for like the fifth year in a row. And uh, Werder Bremen. Get some. Get some. <laughs> Poor Werder. You know, I, I, I will admit that like when I – it came out of my mouth, and I'm like, "Wait a second, Hertha Berlin is still in this. Uh, Hertha Berlin is still in this league." And I figured one of these promoted sides is surviving, and I could even throw out, you know, the possibilities that like someone else within the Bundesliga could also fall down. I think you mentioned one off air in Bochum. You know, like I mean, how like. <laughs> at, uh, on the in the bottom third of the league, I think that there's a grouping of teams. You got the the um, I would say you're you got Bochum tied up with Schalke, Bremen, and Hertha. And yeah, I keep on, I know I know I keep on throwing Augsburg, but from that grouping, you're hard pressed to find anyone else who would probably be in relegation. Zone uh, worry, but we'll kind of uh, go from uh, strength to strength. Uh, Brian, I'll let you that go with four your four and five. Yeah. One last touch. That bottom four or five is just going to be a battle all year long. There's, you know, we talked about how there's going to be separation in like the top four or five area. There's going to be major separation at the bottom too. That bottom four or five will be determined before the World Cup. Oh wow. There we go. And remember, we've only, uh, I think it's only like 13, 14 matches on the Bundesliga that we'll even have in the bag before the World Cup. Yeah, so it'll be interesting uh, kind of at that point, which isn't really, you know, a halfway point that we'll be taking a break, uh, where the league will be situated. It'll st- it's a lot, <laughs> a lot more matches all up in the spring uh, for us to kind of get through, which I think get through a few uh, uh it's a spice and surprise for this uh, for this uh, for this season. So, Brian, I think you're next. Okay. <laughs> well, I like everybody else have Bayern winning. Um, you know, every when Lewandowski le- leaves, you think maybe this is the year they slip up and someone gets them, but then they just you know, go get Sadio Mane and, and delete and uh, just reinforce once again. Um, I actually think 
Dortmund's going to take a pretty big fall this year with, uh, you know, losing their, their star striker to Man City and, and with the news, the unfortunate news of Sebastian Allaire coming out that he's going to miss several months as he goes through chemotherapy. Um, you know, they don't, they don't have a striker right now. So while I have Bayern winning, I actually have Leverkusen coming in second. I think they did some good things this offseason. Um, I know we stole Olario for them, but they brought in a couple of pretty good guys. I've got Leipzig going third. Um, Freiburg actually had a really good transfer window too so far. I have them bumping up to fourth. And then I've got Dortmund and Union Berlin topping out the the top six. I don't put us in the top six this year because I don't. <laughs> I just don't trust us after last year. Um, and I like. Well, I think we've got the talent to be a top four team. I just, I mean, we're the diva. We're going to diva at some point. It's going to happen. Um, I have us placing in, in the top eight, but I don't have us in the top six. Um, relegation teams, this one's actually was harder for me than picking the top six because there's just some of these teams. I'm like, I don't know which one of these is the worst. They're all pretty bad to me. Um, but I've got Augsburg, Bremen, and Bochum down at the bottom. All right. Kind of all in the same boat. Uh, Matt, you are next for your Bundesliga predictions. I actually have kind of some high hopes for us in the league, just because we are, like you said, we are the diva. We had a fairly terrible Bundesliga season last year where I think we're going to have actually a really good Bundesliga season and potentially a really shitty Champions League season and maybe even potentially a really shitty DFB-Pokal season. But my top three, or I'm going to, my top six, I would say, is obviously Bayern at the top. I would have honestly had potentially Dortmund contending with Bayern just because of the losses that Bayern has endured so far, losing Lewandowski. And there's a Sebastian Haller um, signing from Dortmund, but you know, with the tumor and the chemotherapy right now, obviously Dortmund's going to have no striker up there for now. They're going to have to rely on, on some talent, probably shuffle the, the team around. So, um, but my official top uh, top six are going to be, I would say, Bayern at number one. I would put Leipzig at number two. I would put Frankfurt at number three. I would put Dortmund at number four. And I would put possibly mm, maybe Mainz or even Fry or um, Wolfsburg at six because um, I think Wolfsburg is going to have a bounce back kind of season. But I see us being in the top three, boys. You know, I definitely was going to argue top four, um, but you know, I think we're better than either Leverkusen or Leipzig in that situation. And then whatever odd Bundesliga team is going to make a run for Europa that league. Um, there's always that one weird team that does it. But I see us in the top three, um, especially with the kind of depth that we had in today's game um, and with all the signings that we've had and, you know, what we've done in the offseason, um, including, you know, having the best keeper in the world with Kevin Trapp back there. You know, we have that defensive um, wall. In terms of my three teams that are going to get relegated, I think Werder Bremen and Schalke are going to stay up. I, I, I just don't see them kind of being that kind of elevator team, um, especially Schalke. <laughs> I think Schalke is going to be at, at maybe a top 10, top 12 sort of team. If there's three teams, I would say 
Now we know he's drink- <laughs> he was lying about not drinking. <laughs> and I, I definitely agree Bochum is going to be gone. I think they were way too weak. They got very, very lucky in some situations. I would say Stuttgart as well, but you know they had their last minute freaking savior um, against Augsburg that uh, last in last game of the season last year. Um, so I don't want to say that necessarily, but I definitely think Bochum are going to get relegated. I think Hats are going to get relegated, and I think Gladbach could possibly get relegated. And I don't know why. I I don't know. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry, not Gladbach. I'm so off. I think Köln are going to get relegated. Um, I don't know if they can handle the conferencing schedule. I think I think they're they're gonna drop right off. It's it's gonna be unfortunate, and um, yeah, that's, those are the three teams I would uh, say are gonna get relegated. There we go. There we go. All right, it is. Uh, we've been talking about the Bundesliga. We enter, re-enter the battleground that is the Bundesliga. Thirty-four matches to define an entire season in the German Federal League. It's time for our Bundesliga predictions from. All of us here. So we've kind of already talked about, well, excuse me, not Bundesliga predictions, but uh, predictions for the Bundesliga match to open the season against Bayern München. Uh, Eintracht hosting the Bayern. We are not getting the ABC treatment that uh, Leverkusen versus Dortmund is getting at the weekend. I'm a little butthurt about that, but I'll get over it. Um going to be enjoying this one and I will point out like why I'm predicting a 1-1 draw with DeBiron. I think that uh, Byron Walsh, you know, still being Byron, still has a really good coach on their bench. I think that they are still kind of half cooked. They seem to be wanting to continue to do business and that kind of will disturb one or two things going on with the team. And Eintracht really just tried out a team that is ready to rock and roll. I don't think that – I think that Leipzig is just half-cooked as well. And just Bayern's individualistic uh, talent just, you know, shone through. So that's how they uh, want the Super Cup. I think that uh, Eintracht will be able to comfortably get a draw in this one. And, uh, yeah, a 1-1 for the Eintracht at the Waldstadion as we – uh, finally have a full stadium capacity back for uh, the Bundesliga matches from beginning to end, as long as nothing crazy happens. So let's uh, let's go around the horn. Uh, uh, Brian, I'll let you uh, get your prediction in for the match. I am going to, well, we're playing in Der Waldstadion, so I like our chances in this game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we win 2-1. There we go. And why is that? In brief. Just because I think the stadium is going to be electric. I think uh, I think the fans are going to really have our backs. I think that uh, with the way that we're clicking on all cylinders right now, uh, we're going to be able to get that, that second goal that we've always chased. And I really like the matchup of uh, Indica and Torre against their two wings to help neutralize those two guys. Uh, you know, last year when we won in Munich, it was it was Torre that started on the right side, and he really shut down their left wings. He did a great job in that game. And uh, and having him in the starting 11, I think, is going to be an advantage for us. Yeah, I watched the... Chris, what are your thoughts? Super Cup. 
the German Super Cup uh, might have been one of only like 13 people that actually tuned in. But I saw a lot of play up the sidelines from Bayern Munich, a lot more than we've seen in the past where they played through the middle. They seem to move the ball down the sides a lot, a lot of one-two passing there. And I think our strength is with speed on the outside, and we can match them pretty well there. My concern is maybe Tuta getting drawn out of that middle a little bit too much. So I I don't think we're going to keep the clean sheet, spoiler alert, against Bayern. Um, But I think we're going to put up a good performance. It's the first opportunity for the fans at the Waldstadion to welcome the European champions home. And I think it's going to be just fire in that stadium Friday night. And maybe some literal fire if the Flares make their way back from Magdeburg. Um, I'm I'm going to go with the 2-1 Frankfurt victory. <laughs> I think we have the legs to do it. <laughs> I think we have the motivation to come out strong at home and have a strong start to the year. And Matt, what are you thinking about this one? I mean... This is after you the most perfect after you predicted the Pokal, I believe correctly. Why do you have to remind him? He didn't even remember it. Did I say four nothing? Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll take that. Give me my give me my give me my four points. Oh <laughs> <laughs> my four points. No, I'm just kidding. Um so this this is the most perfect scenario, in in my opinion. I mean we have we're playing the opening game of the Bundesliga. We're playing against Bayern, and we get to play it at home, which is I'm, I I yeah. thought was unheard of because I always thought the home the the winning you know the previous uh, title winning team gets to play the you know home game at first, but for some reason that's not the case. Maybe the Bundesliga pride, prides us from winning Europa over the uh, Bayern winning the Bundesliga for the tenth time in a row. I mean I don't really know who made that decision, but either way, like. This is an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, we're going to come into this game as if it's a final. Like, imagine the TIFO and the, the the artwork that the fans are going to bring into the stadium and stuff like that. Like, all the choreography before the game. Like, they're going to come out there and it's going to think like they're back in Sevilla as if it, it was a, a final game, you know? I mean, the energy is going to be through the roof. I think the fans are going to be uh, behind us at all times, you know? And I think it's going to be kind of a high-scoring game. I definitely think we're going to come out of it uh, on top of it. I think we're going to win the game 3-2 because I can see us winning like 3 or 2-1 for a while, then us getting a goal sort of late in the game, and then Byron scoring in the 90th minute, you know, a 3-2 goal. And then we're going to be, you know, sitting on our, you know, sitting with our teeth jittering for the next like five minutes or whatever extra, extra time the referee's going to give us, probably in favor of Byron. But, I mean... This is going to be such a perfect game, I think, you know, especially with how we came out today and our, our depth. I mean, and with Bayern's lack of potentially the, the number nine, I don't think Gnarby's going to do much against us. Maybe Leroy San is going to score a goal. Maybe Gnarby's going to score a goal. But I, we're in a perfect scenario, boys. Bayern's going to be coming in, and they have no idea what's going to hit them whatsoever. And that is our predictions for this weekend's match. But before we actually leave, we'll actually mention where our predictions will lie with the Eintracht for the season. So we mentioned um, our, basically everyone, except for me, was is, is predicting Champions League finish, myself to finish it, uh, predicting that we'll finish it fifth in the Europa League. 
it is a little harder to predict the Champions League because, you know, we got two rounds of qualifiers still left to go. So plenty of teams still have to be picked. And then our group needs to be drawn. So, but I will say that this team, well, from what I've seen, if, uh, if we have a dud, uh, time in the, in the Champions League, I'll say this much. Why not have a run in the Pokal? So if, uh, if we're in, so, I'm expecting that we'll get a good draw for the third round of the Pokal. And uh, by that time, the uh, Champions League group phase will be over. We'll know if we're in the Champions League knockout phase, if we're in the Europa League knockout phase, or if we're just out of Europe entirely. And uh, depending on <laughs> where the situation lies, I honestly look at the Pokal and think to myself, it's time to reclaim that golden cup and bring it back to Frankfurt. It's been a couple years away. And uh, yeah, I think it's time to win the Pokal back to Frankfurt. And I'll kind of go right in the opposite direction. So Matt, I'll let you kind of throw your thoughts down. I will say like it folks that uh, we can make our predictions about the Champions League. I will hold mine off until we know who we're playing. Cause we could have like a whole bunch of big fish. Or we could have an absolute open playing field, and then it's all, you know, all, all guns blazing. It's going to be big fish either way. I, I don't, it doesn't matter who we play. I think whoever we're going to play, it's going to be a tough game. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't see us getting out of the out of the group stages. I think we'll be one of the teams that goes down into the Europa League. Um, after, after the Champions League season, I'd love for us to go in, into the Sweet 16, but... I, I I don't think so. I think we're gonna get you know quote unquote demoted to the Europa League and um, you know kind of thrive there. Maybe not maybe not necessarily win it. Maybe hit the semifinals in that situation. But um, yeah, Champions League. I don't I don't think uh, we can um, surpass the group stages. But with the DFB Pokal, you know, I definitely think we could be uh, be a, a semifinal or even a finalist sort of team. Would we win it? You know, it depends if we play Bayern. It depends if the Bayern situation is. Um, you know, we could see if they get knocked out or whatnot, uh, because we do play Bayern in the final. I don't see us winning that final, um, again, because I think that, you know, there's been too many times where Frankfurt's come out of top on Bayern, and I think it's finally gonna light a match up their ass. They're gonna finally be, you know, typical Bayern sort of team. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on, you know, on the domestic and, you know, on the domestic and international competitions that we are going to be partaking in. Chris. I really don't have a prediction for Champions League till I see who is in our group. Uh, like Matt said, you're not going to get any loafers in the Champions League. They're, they're all a group of death in this competition. Loafers, but you could have a group of death, or you could have a group where you're like, I fancy our chances. Hey, honestly, there's a group of death. There's a group of quick death, death and a group of slow death. There's no you know, <laughs> real easy walk away in that competition at all. Um, but until we have groupings, I don't have much on that. As far as the Pokal, uh, as excited as t- I was after today, it only gets tougher, and anything can happen. We see it every year where a top team loses to an average team. We always see a team that's sitting 14, 15 in the table. Fired the last two years. But, I mean, you, you always see a team run in the table from you know, 14th, 15th in the table run to the semifinal or something like that. It happens every single year. Um, and now that we have a target on our backs, the question is, 
at what point is somebody going to aim and actually hit that target? And the cup is the easiest place to do that. So I think we can make a run. We have the talent to go far in that competition. But we've got a lot going on. We're playing in three competitions at once. And I don't think we have quite the talent to win any of the three. The longer we go in one of them, though, I like our chances in the Pokal between the three. Hmm. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, Brian, I'll let uh, you have the last word on predictions. Well, um, I think we're, I don't even know who's in our group, but I think we're going to make it out just because, just because this team has, it's not the big teams that we struggle with. It's, it's the 16th, 17th team in the table. Like we're not scared of the big teams. We're not scared of Barcelona. We're not scared of West Ham. We're not scared of Real Madrid. We play Bayern Munich and Dortmund every single year. And we're not scared of those teams. And we'll walk in and we're going to sneak some games on the road. We're going to win a couple of games in the group on the road. Uh, or at least pull points on the road. And we're going we're gonna to make it out of the group. Now, I, I don't know whether we make it through the first knockout round or not, but... But I think we're gonna. I I believe we're gonna make it out out of the group phase for sure. Uh, the Pokal, I think we're gonna make a deep run, but I, I don't think we're just gonna have enough gas to get all the way to the champ all the way to the championship game uh, because of of the three competitions thing. But I, I still think we make it to the the round of eight. There we go. Yeah, we're sure well enough for me. That's our that's our predictions. We'll, like I said, uh, make a little bit more of a proper Champions League breakdown once those groups are all all set in stone. But we're all very optimistic with the Eintracht. And hey, we like a challenge at Frankfurt. We really do. That wraps up for this episode two hundred and twenty nine of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I'd like to think. Matt, Chris, and Brian for joining in on the podcast, going right around the horns. Uh, Matt, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? You can find me on Twitter at WAGMA underscore and on the Instagram at WagnerMA underscore. There we go. Chris, where can we find you when you're not uh, sucking down beers because uh, the Detroit Tigers suck? When I'm not sucking down beers, I'm riding the Peloton because of the beers. <laughs> but you can uh, find me on Peloton, Instagram, Twitter, Discord. Oh, TikTok. Um, at C and the D 313. I don't even want to go down that afternoon. <laughs> Brian, where can we find you on social them. media? <laughs> um, that might be next. That might be next, but... Uh, uh, yeah, Brian, uh, save me here. Where can we find you on social media? <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Brian Gilcrest, mm-hmm. and you can also find me on my blog at on the wings of Adler dot com. There you go. And oh yeah, we almost forgot uh, for the preview uh, for the prediction for uh, this weekend's match: uh, Eintracht versus Bayern. Uh, Nathan and St. Louis is kind of dealing with the real world problems, you know, mother nature being an absolute cow that she is. Um, he is predicting a two, one victory for the Eintracht. So all good things around. So we mentioned, uh, Cleo's in Chicago, Casey beer company in Kansas city. We mentioned Jack Dempsey's in New York. 
let us know where you're watching the match, and we'll put it out there on our social media platforms where you ways that you can follow us on social media. It is at EGF Pod on Twitter. It is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt on the gram. Uh, hey Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com. That's where you can throw your emails. And of course, uh, Facebook.com slash HEF Pod and the new up and running www.hefpod.com. We're going to be putting some more content up there, including a, a special interview that Chris did over the summertime uh, with the guy who put up the Eintracht Lego. So, yeah, that was a one, that was a fun one over the summer. So, yeah, until next time when we are talking about Eintracht, uh, possibly talking about uh, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and the Super Cup because that's literally uh, just immediately days after Eintracht plays uh, Bayern. We'll be talking about Eintracht and the Super Cup uh, in Helsinki versus Real Madrid. But until next time, choose. <laughs>